Back to Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. And on this episode, you'll be listening to Ravi, who is an airline pilot for Delta Airlines. And Ravi takes us through his time growing up in Guyana and then eventually going to the United States and then studying to become a pilot. He talks about his first ever flight, why he loves flying so much, and finally, why he feels so strongly about increasing diversity in the airline industry. Hope you enjoy. I got a little bit of a different one for you today. This is A Living Color Abroad. All right, Ravi, welcome to A Living Color Abroad. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I, I gotta say, I love the name. <laughs> it's a very catchy name. It reminds me of in in the living colors. Yeah, uh, absolutely awesome. But I'm doing well. I'm not doing as well as you are. I'm guessing it's about eighty degrees right now where you are, and about ten miles per hour. And just you know, the water is not far away from you. Yeah, and I'm, it's. I'll tell you right now. It's uh, thirty eight degrees right now ah. in New York, and. Uh, yeah, and it's windy. <laughs> but I'm doing well. I can't, I can't complain. Yes, in 2021, yes. what is there to complain if you're alive and you're right. around? Right. That's, that's the most important thing. That's the most important thing. So, all right, Ravi, let's get right to it. Please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, let's see. Where to start here? Live in New York for since I migrated to the U.S., which is uh, coming up on two decades, though, which is kind of nuts. Even my parents can't even believe I've been in this country wow. so long. Um, I, I migrated here, started high school, and uh, currently work as an airline pilot um, for the Delta Connection fleet. Um, in my early 30s, airline pilot, captain, um, and I can't complain. It's it's a very um, blessed life. That's that's awesome. And I'm glad you say I'm living the life. You're an air, airline pilot. Like That's an amazing thing. That's why I'm so glad... You took your time to come on and live in color abroad. And you didn't mention where you migrated from. Oh, Guyana. Um, so um, you are fairly south, but I'm a bit so- uh, south from you originally. Mm-hmm. Um, Guyana is located in South America, and a lot of people have this question who aren't typically from New York, just because um, most of the folks I fly with, you know, they, they aren't from New York and they're not familiar with the immigrant population. Um, so Guyana is located in, um, very north of, uh, South America. It's north of Brazil. Um, on the east of Guyana is, um, Suriname, if you ever heard of that country. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, to the west of Guyana is, uh, Venezuela. Okay. okay. It is, it is the only English speaking country in South America. Every other country in South America either speaks, uh, Spanish, Portuguese, or Dutch, or French, actually, as well. That's pretty, and that's why, you know, I mean, obviously you can speak more about this, but Guyana is like really a mix of cultures, right? Would you you agree with that? It is. Very cool, very cool. And for those that don't know, Ravi, you went to Richmond High School, correct? I did. (laughs) Yeah, so Ravi Uh, is a graduate of Richmond High School. I also went to Richmond High School. This is in, uh, in Queens, in Richmond Hill, Queens. 
And in yeah. that area and in Queens in general, I know New York, there's a huge Guyanese population. So honestly, I would say my first contact with people from that diaspora, right, and from that are Guyanese descendants or immigrants is me yeah. going, attending Richville High School. So it's, and that was the cool thing about going to Richville, if you remember, Ravi, is like you have so many different kinds of people in just one school. And as most people, if you don't know, Queens is the most, I don't know if it still is, but one of the most diverse places on planet Earth. <laughs> So Queens is, um, if Queens was a city by itself, would be the most um, diverse city in the country or in the world, you should say. Yeah. Um, most language spoken in a single given city. Funny enough, my fiance also went to Richmond Hill. We graduated <laughs> from the same class. And High school sweethearts. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, <laughs> that's the word you want to use. Um, so... Um, the funny thing with, with Richmond Hill, um, Richmond Hill and, and Liberty is adjacent neighborhood to Richmond Hill. It, it's known as Little Guyana. Mm. So uh, to put it in a little context, the four, the four largest foreign-born population in New York uh, over the past decade or so has been Chinese, um, not in order, but uh, yeah. Chinese, Jamaican, um, uh, Guyanese, and Dominican. Mm, wow. Funny enough... My fiance is Dominican, and one unique thing about our school was it was very uh, Latin dominated with um, West Indian and right. Indian right, 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 dominated. So you can say my fiance, who's um, Latina, we are a product of Richmond Hill. That is a good so, version of it. Right, right, right. That's so crazy. That's so crazy. So let's talk about a little bit. So you moved uh, from Guyana to the U.S. when you were how old? I was. Uh, 16. Wow, 16. So you lived there for a good amount of time. So tell me, take me through those formative years of growing up in Guyana. What was that like? So I'm guessing you live in a fairly similar upbringing to what I had in Guyana, right? Um, a third world country that is... Well, I wasn't I wasn't uh, born in, uh, in in the in Dominican Republic, though. I was born in New York. So I, I, <laughs> I was born and raised in New York. Correct. Where are you living right now? Oh, you say, okay, well, um, okay, well, I'm living right now. Got yeah. you, got you. Okay. It's it's a fairly third world country, right? Mm-hmm. With a lot of exposure to American media or developing nation, we can say, culture. right? Developing nation. We can say, it. yeah. <laughs> so we can say, yeah. Um, so it, it was very similar. If you look at kids who are maybe um, being raised in, in Costa Rica right now and growing up, mm-hmm. it's very similar to that. Um, growing up, you know your neighbors, you hang out with your neighbors, and they're like family. So everyone was an auntie and uncle. Everyone was your cousin. Somehow there's some weird stories where you guys are, you know, 12 cousin removed. <laughs> um, you know, you ate dinner at every family's house at some point. You, Your best friends were all the kids who were, you know, your next door neighbors from mm-hmm. each side. Every neighbor knows you and every neighbor is like a parent to you, right? Right. So being a bad little kid I was, um, if one neighbor caught me cursing one day, I'll get a spanking from that neighbor. Mm. And then the neighbor will come home later on that night and said, hey, I caught Robbie cursing and I'll get another spanking. Right. So right. that was kind of the neighborhood I grew up with. And, you know, I grew up going and catching alligators. Um, what? When I was like <laughs> 11 years old. Do you say you caught alligators? Yep. I've caught an alligator. I, I've caught... You were the guy, Wakanda. the guy in East Steve Irwin, huh? <laughs> Oh my God! I idolize that man pretty much. If 
I'm pretty sure if I had stayed there, I would have like gotten kind of the same treatment <laughs> doing something silly. Um, it's very similar to you know the rest of Central America and South America. You grow up in this um, awesome go play in the farm, go play in the trenches, right. um, a very uh, carefree parents let you roam about outside as long as you're not getting into too much trouble and uh it was a pretty awesome childhood that's why when i um when i fly with some colleagues who are from um from the deep south um they'll be like hey i'm from the south and i go what you guys are from the south i'm from the deep south (laughs) like my upbringing is like chasing wild dogs and and catching alligators and and anacondas and and getting almost bit by snakes and and silly stupid stuff like that wow i mean no i mean i I think you're 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 talking about obviously this is over 20 years ago right but i think yeah i would say here in costa rica and i like i agree with you i guess latin america this is you hear this similar story right like community sense of community right and i think that's a that's a huge important thing of people that grow grow up in these you know "Quote unquote third world countries, developing countries." This this a sense of community, especially if you're not in a big city, right? So I think that's an important yeah. thing. And I think you know, you being an immigrant and me being a child of immigrants, that's something that still is instilled in you, right? And is the sense of family and community, and you still take that with you wherever you go. So I'm I'm so glad you brought up that story, and it's really cool to to hear that about you. Yeah. All right. So now let's get in to let's fast forward. Now you're in the U.S. At what point, Ravi? Did you decide, you know what, I want to be a pilot? So, it's funny enough, right? Um, as I said, I, I moved here at a weird age. At 16, you're, you're, you're trying to figure out your life. Uh, back home, I thought I'll be um, an engineer because that, uh, as I said, I went to a, a very um, British-oriented school system, right? Mm-hmm. At, at, at 14, 15, they stream you off in the field that you're strongest in, right? So, my mm-hmm. field was the technical um, stuff. So I got into the engineering field. So at 16, I never finished my exams. I never got my certificate. I came over here. Um, they actually put me back a grade that I was supposed to be in Richmond Hill kind of worked out for me to be with my own age group mm. versus the credits I have. Right. So I'm over here, um, went through my last few years of high school. Um, by the time I came here and I started high school, all my sisters are older. They've moved out of the house and stuff like that. So I didn't, n- never really had any guidance on how the school system worked over here, mm. right? Didn't know what you have to do to get into college, all that good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of wondering, doing all this stuff on my own. Um, took the SATs. Didn't know what the SATs were. Um, <laughs> had no clue what the SATs were. I actually took the SATs with a, with a flu. Mm. And... Um, I scored decent. I never took a prep, but I didn't score great. Hmm. And I, I remember my family. I have two uh, doctors in the family, and they're like, hey, you should go into medicine because, you know, the typical West Indian right. Indian thing, it's medicine or a lawyer. There's no other career option. Hmm. And I didn't want to do any of those things. I took a year break from um, high school to college, and I started working in the airport. And I started working with these pilots and, and crews. And then I realized when I was a kid, when my grandmother migrated to Canada, um, we took her to the airport. And I was, let's see here, I was six years old. And I remember seeing that airplane, seeing that crew, seeing my grandmother going into that airplane and took off. 
And all I remember at that time is that I wanted to do that. I wanted to hop into that airplane, be her pilot, and bring her back so wow. she can come live with us again. Wow, 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 and wow, wow. And whilst I was taking that year, that gap year, and you know the statistic you're a teacher, right? A person who takes a gap year between um, high school and college um, generally doesn't work out fairly well for them. Either it takes right. over a decade for them to get back into school and finish a degree, or they don't ever um, return. So it was a big fear within my family. But I took that year, and what I realized, the work, I remember that memory, I remember that feeling, I remember working with these people in the airport, and I, just, and I go, I want to be a pilot. This is this is what I wanted to be as a child. Why did I forget this, and why, why don't I believe I can become a pilot? Now, I never even had anyone to help me figure out college, how to get in college, what to do. Right. And speaking of Richmond Hill, we both went to Richmond Hill. Mm -hmm. You can speak to the guidance counselor office <laughs> and that whole process. They just come and give you the CUNY brochure and said, hey, go to CUNY. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, it was... And for those that don't know, you know, CUNY were the city universities, meaning they weren't the... They really were the top of the tier uh, colleges. It's like, oh, these are the ones you most likely will get into. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, CUNY is essentially the state colleges for the city of New York because the city of New York is 8 million people. Right, which, right, right, right. You know. But shout out to CUNY, though. I graduated from a CUNY. Now I'm here, so shout out to CUNY. <laughs> hey, nothing against it. My fiancé went to City College, one of the best universities in the country for a lot of things. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so, fast forward um, through uh, going through that experience, I got myself into college. Um, shout out to Vaughn College. It's a very small private university in um, Queens. And I started college. Again, have no clue how to become an airline pilot. But I knew that this, this college could train you to become a pilot and it will lead you how to become a pilot. Now, got in there, realized this is an extremely expensive thing to do. Hmm. Um, not only do you have to pay your your, your school tuition, which I chose to go to a private school, silly me. Um, <laughs> anyone who's listening to this, and if you're choosing between a state college and a private college and you have to pay for it, um, please do yourself a favor, go with the state college. Do not overpay for private college. Do not go into debt, people. Uh, That's a good advice. <laughs> do not go into debt. Um, Unless you're planning to make like, you know, a million dollars a year after you graduate, right. go for it. Or become um, a pilot. <laughs> even to that, it, it kind of, it still sucks. Um, so, got into college, and then my first year, it hit me like a brick. I'll be honest, it was like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So, wow. I had some setbacks. My first year, my first semester went well, my second semester did not go so well. Um, I had to regroup. Re Finance was an issue. Again, I come from an immigrant family, doesn't have a lot of money mm -hmm. laying around. My father does well for himself, but, you know, mm -hmm. as um, as an immigrant kid, sometimes you feel, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You don't feel entitled to having your parents do that for you. Right, you know right. What I, mean? I relate to that. Yes, so true. Yeah, you kind of put the burden on yourself. I want to become a pilot, so I have to pay for it. Right. Anyways, I went through uh, college, did some flight training, did not finish my flight training there, um, but finished my degree there, came out, worked, um, took out a loan, and then finished off my flight training. Um, it took me a little longer um, because of the gap year and uh, because uh, I waited till I finished college to finish off my training. Got it. Um, but eventually... Um, by the time I was 24, 
I believe it was 24. Um, I finished off my training. And after that, I, you know, you kind of have to pursue a certain amount of steps uh, to get to the airline and, you know, continue from there on out. So you said a lot of things there, a lot of great things. And honestly, what you, the, 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 the one that stuck out to me the most is you talking about how you saw your grandmother in that plane and you wanted to become a pilot to bring her back. That's such a profound thing that you as a child <laughs> had a dream to become a pilot for, uh, not because, oh, I want to be a pilot. No, because I want to bring her back home. I just thought it was a really cool thing. I really, and really amazing that you that you thought of that. But so take me through. So you're in this Vaughn College, right? So you're, you're going through this yeah. training. Okay, so obviously, I'm not a pilot. Most people listening to this are probably not pilots, or maybe they will be. But so take me through what are, what is a typical class in Vaughn College where you learn to be a pilot. What do you have to learn besides obviously flying the damn plane? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a funny thing, right? There's no okay. So if you want to become an accountant, right? Mm-hmm. You know you have to go get your degree in accounting. You might have to do a, a CPA or do your MBA. So these are steps. These are courses and licenses you have to do to take and get it done, right? Right now. Excuse me. To become a pilot, there are licenses you have to do. Multiple licenses. Mm, okay. So to become a, just a commercial pilot, you're able to fly folks around for money. Um, you need your private pilot. You need your instrument license, and then you need your commercial license. Now that's three licenses just to become a commercial pilot. Right. Each each license have to be met with a um, a written exam. You have to pass a written exam. You have to pass a level of instructing with your instructor, your teacher. Mm-hmm. And then the examiner, you'll sit down with the examiner, and he will orally quiz you for a few hours. And then you go flying with him, and then you have, you have to satisfy all his requirements mm-hmm. that the FAA has put forward and said, hey, he has to do all these things. Now, right. each license has three distinct parts to it. So by the time I get to my commercial license, that is nine exams I'm taking, right? Wow. <laughs> I, I mean, let me just say I'm very glad that you had to take all these exams. <laughs> I'm very happy yeah. that pilots need to go through rigorous training to be allowed to fly. <laughs> yeah, so, and now that doesn't even count the final exams you have in class in college, the midterms, the papers, right, right, things, right, right. right? <laughs> now, again, you don't have to go to college route. You can go to a regular flight school and go to that flight school and said, hey, I want to become a pilot. They go, great. We'll sign you up with an instructor. You like the instructor. He's a good instructor. The instructor will also walk you through everything you have to study on your own. And you also still have to meet all those standards. All right. those tests, you still have to pass. It's just now you're doing it on your own instead right, of being in right, college right, and learning, right. right? Makes sense, makes That's- sense. I mean, listen, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm grateful you went through all that because I'm, first of all, more appreciative of pilots. I already was because you're freaking flying through 30,000 feet in the air and flying 100, 200 people every day. So I'm very grateful to all pilots out there that are, you know, getting people there safely to their destination. Now, let's go. Yeah. So you, you took me through that. Now, take me. So once you graduated, right, and you knew you were going to be a certified pilot, now, what did your parents think and say? The fact that you didn't become a doctor and a lawyer, but now you're a pilot. So what were their thoughts? So um, the funny thing is my grandmother, who inspired me to become a pilot, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I never really told her fully. Wow. The reason why, my, my grandmother's terrified of flying. <laughs> 
absolutely terrified and she is a very nervous flyer and she's always i'm her only grandson mm. so she's always worried about my safety so i never really wanted to worry her Got it. now that's her um i told her way later on um my father was very supportive especially financially um mm. but it, you could tell in the back of his mind he would have preferred me becoming a pilot um i'm oh, sorry a doctor okay um, my mom was ecstatic. Um, <laughs> my mom was absolutely the type though. was like, you cannot celebrate until you have it accomplished. Right. Mm -hmm. So she never really, um, indulge in all those things until I became an airline pilot. And then she's like, yes, that's my son. That's awesome. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, now with that being said, um, uh, the first time my, my dad traveled for free and travel and he traveled with first class, he's like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yes, you made the right choice. Um, it was, uh, I mean, that's funny. you know, you, you can't go get free first class ticket right, traveling right, if you're a right. doctor, right? <laughs> uh, you might get some free pills, quote unquote. Um, but the first time, it was complete 180. Um, and coming back to my grandmother to go full circle. Mm -hmm. Um, for her 80th birthday, my, my grandmother lives in Canada. I flew down there, picked her up, flew her back here really? and she got first class and all that stuff. And I'm sitting there with my grandmother going back to Canada in first class with her. And it was the happiest I ever seen my grandmother ever. Wow. And, um, and for her birthday, I actually told her she was the reason why I became pilot. I never told her that story before wow. until then. That's and such a yeah, so thing. yeah, so it came pretty full circle, and um, thankfully this was before Corona. We did that in 2019, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it uh, I, I got that in right in before Corona happened. Wow. Um, her 80th birthday. Very cool, very cool, man. Now that's a, an amazing, amazing story. All right, now take me to the moment. This is this is the moment I'm really waiting for here. When you first, so you you work for Delta, right? You got the job. Take me to that moment where I'm assuming your first flight, you are like a co-pilot, right? Uh, yep, first officer. All right, first yep. officer. Yeah, first officer. So take me what is going through your mind all these years and all this work, all these exams to get certified. And now the moment is here. You're about to fly a plane with yeah. however many people on this flight. Okay, where were you going? So where where where's the departure and the arrival? Um, take me through it. So I'll give you a little backstory. When I first started my training, um, my first 10 flights, six of them I threw up on. <laughs> so. Whoa. Dad, yeah. So if, if you ever go take a flying lesson and you throw up the first time, do not let that deter you. <laughs> I threw up and all I, t I was telling myself, I'll be so happy when I get to the airlines. I can get up there. <laughs> You know, put the autopilot on, pull out my newspaper, <laughs> read my newspaper, have the flight, flight attendants come give me my lunch, excuse me, or my dinner. And I have this 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 vision in my head, right? I'm mm -hmm. like, you just have to get through this. You just have to get through this. I know it's hard. I know it sucks, but you just have to get through this. Mm -hmm. I told myself that for months on end. My first flight now in the airlines as a first officer. Um, now, when you are a new hire um, pilot, and you finish your training in, in the simulators and everything, you get to the line, you fly with specialized captains. These captains were specifically trained to fly with people who are trying to kill you in the airplane, right? Oh, wow. 
Um, because to be quite honest, I'm a threat in the airplane, right? I am right, not right. experienced in the airplane. Right. I, if, if, if a big emergency come, yes, I'll be able to put the airplane down on the ground, but practically speaking, I'm a threat in the airplane, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm flying the specialized captain. We're going Minnesota down to, um, Fort Myers, Florida. Okay. Um, so got into the airplane I was slow, super slow. Like I'm, I'm taking my time, punching everything into the computer, going through all the weather report, all that stuff. The guy next to me was the captain. He's quizzing me in certain things. I'm just nervous. I'm just like, oh my god! I hope people don't know this is my first flight. <laughs> all this stuff, right? Now, when they say on your first um, trip, now you. you your first training experience is called your first trip, right? Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of legs you're flying. When they say you're in the back of the airplane, you're in the toilet, they mean that mentally, figuratively, you're in the back of the airplane. Mm. You are so far behind what is happening in this airplane. Wow. Um, it's the guy's job to the left of you, your captain, to, to coach you through this and to bring you up to speed. But, Everything happens so fast. Right. So there's there's not a moment there that you're sitting down going like, oh my God, I made it. This is awesome. It's more <laughs> like, oh my God, what am I doing next? <laughs> and and you, you're just in the back of the airplane. You are not even in the cockpit at that point mentally. Oh my God. You know, you, you're just going through the paces. And I. Right. it's just like when you start any new job, right? Mm-hmm, I can mm-hmm. tell immediately when somebody's new in the job, right? It's just a deer in the headlights. Look. Right, right, it's right, right, like, right. <laughs> it's just like, I'm telling myself, fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it, Robbie. Fake it till you make it. I'm sitting there and... We're going through, we got up to cruise, put the autopilot on, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, holy shit, I'm an airline pilot. Wow. I'm like, holy shit. And this is an early morning departure, right? Uh, so we're seeing the sunrise coming up, mm-hmm. um, going down to Florida, and I'm like, wow, airline pilot, cool. Now, the one thing I do remember very well on my first flight was my first landing was absolutely smooth as butter. Mm. Um, I had a great landing, and w- my captain was a twenty-something-year-old captain, twenty-something-year captain experience right, of right. my company, right? And the flight attendant has about twenty years at our company as well. And I remember the flight attendant popped in and she goes, "Oh my god, you just landed at." <laughs> no way. And she doubted me the entire time. She thought the, the captain landed it. Oh, so and the captain like, like gave the reins to you for that? Yep, yep. Wow. My first, in there, I did everything. I took off, flew the flight, landed, and everything like that. Wow. Right? Um, I think he made me flew the second one, too. Um, Essentially, a crew goes one and one, right? Mm-hmm. So the captain might start the first one, the, the, the first officer take the second one, the captain does, does the third one. First, so we go back and forth, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you'll think, I think I, I enjoyed about maybe two minutes of it in flight when I was at cruise and I put the autopilot on and I breathe, uh-huh. I, I took a deep breath and I, yes, I'm here. And then it went, I'm back in the back, back of the airplane again. Oh, wow. And then 
the next thing I remember having a really nice landing, and those are the two things I remember about my first flight. Wow, that I mean, listen. I, first of all, I, as most of you that are listening know this about me, maybe you don't. I don't like. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of flying. But you describing this, just like what you're going through, is really freaking cool. Like you, 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 were, you became a pilot, right? And then you have this kind of like aha moment while you're literally in the fucking sky, <laughs> like seeing yeah, the sunrise, then landing, and it's like, yep, I, I'm a pilot. I, I have made it. That, that is really cool. And first of all, obviously, this, the podcast called "In Living Color Abroad" is so cool that you're an immigrant. From Guyana, and you're you're flying in an industry, right? That I'm presumably is 95, if not more, percent white, and here you are, this yeah. kid from Guyana, being able to fly a plane and doing something that's amazing. I mean, and first of all, yeah. I always say this: the fact that that people could go, that we could literally be in the sky traveling at 500 miles per hour, 30,000 feet, and you yes. can, and, and there's like 100,000 planes flying at once, and that's even possible, to me is still yeah. absolutely incredible. So. It, it's unbelievable. So, Louis C.K., um, uh, I don't know if we're allowed to, to bring him up. No, you can bring him up. It's fine, it's fine. Uh, so, Louis C.K., I, I feel like you're a fan of Louis' old work. He has a bit. Um, he has a bit. I know the bit you're talking about. Yeah, the Wi-Fi bit, right? <laughs> right, right. The Wi-Fi. This guy never had the Wi-Fi before, and he came in, and the Wi-Fi doesn't work. And he never experienced it before. He just had it, and it went off, and then he started screaming, where's my Wi-Fi? But he's sitting in a metal chair, 35,000 feet in the air, going 600 miles per hour and he's mad he doesn't have wi-fi right 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 and right. it always blows my mind you know it, it, the things that we're capable of doing right um and generally a lot of people take it for granted you know they think right. they're entitled to whatever it is and right or wrong i'm not here to, to judge whatever people feel they have a right to mm-hmm. but when you sit back and you think we have Wi-Fi. We can stream stuff on our phone whilst we're cruising from New right. York to L.A., you know? Um, go back 10 years, you're just sitting there just playing with your phone. You <laughs> right, know? right, go right. Go back right. 10 years to that, there was no TV or movies in, right, in, right, right, right. in the headset. So what were you doing for, yeah. like, seven hours going out to California? <laughs> like, were you just sitting there just staring at each other? Uh, you know... To me, though, to me, because, again, maybe because I am a a, a nervous flyer, to me, I don't give a fuck of what's going on. As long as this plane is smooth and there's very minimal turbulence, you can say the TVs don't work, there's no Wi-Fi, and I will be able... I would listen. Right now, I'll tell you right now. Those are listening. I would trade. And the airplane say, listen, I guarantee you no turbulence on this flight, but you have no Wi-Fi, no no communication. I would say, give it to me. I'm... I'm serious. No. I don't care. I do not I mean, care. Because <laughs> I am not a fan. All right, we're going to get to that. We're, we're transitioning to that now. I'm just not a fan of flying or tournaments. So now, I have a lot of questions for you. As someone's a nervous flyer, and those that are listening might be nervous flyers too. So, turbulence, turbulence, turbulence. Is, <laughs> it's the most probably common occurrence, right, that occurs on a, on a, on a, on a flight, right, that people experience, whether much, it's yeah. mild, right, severe turbulence, so just in a, in a very quickly explain why does that happen? Just very quickly. So there's there's multiple reasons, but it's because of weather. Virtually, it boils down to heating of the atmosphere, right? Okay. Um, we can experience several different types, um, but as you mentioned, it's it's fairly common. The one that we we 
fairly have to deal with is when we fly through cold fronts. Mm. And uh, in the wintertime, it's usually the jet stream that pushes down very uh, much to the south. Um, that's pretty much the, the two main causes. You know, it's yeah. kind of hard to avoid some of them, especially the, the cold front ones. So is it like, is it is it the equivalent to like a bump in the road when you're driving in traffic? Is it like... Yeah, that's a, that's a fairly good way of putting it. Yeah, it's... We usually know about it, you know. Mm. If it's um, if it's due to a jet stream, chances are we know about it. Cold fronts, when the weather pattern is coming in, right? A line of uh, mm. of a cold front, cold, cold air mass is coming in, right? We generally know what's happening. Um, it's a clear air one that we don't know very much. Um, those those are the ones that kind of sneaks up on you. Um, there's not really a rhyme or reasoning why it pops up there. It's just rough air, right? Got it, got it. Um, and another one we we try to avoid um, because we know it could happen because it's wake turbulence off of bigger airplanes mm. or even the same size airplanes as you. Um, we we know it might occur, so we try to avoid it. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I think it's a number one cause for anxiety for yes. flying. <laughs> um, but the airplane is built for it, so. Um, like my airplane would can experience 2.5 G's without even, you know, having an issue with it. So what is go- what when you when you in the cockpit when you're experiencing when you know the plane is going through turbulence, is is the front feel like bumpy as much as the cabin is or no? So I think it does, but it's more psychological if that makes sense. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's more like how should I put it? Okay, for example, when you're driving versus when you're in the back seat, which one do you feel more? Most people say the back seat, right? In the back seat, because you know it's you don't know it's coming, but right, as soon right. as you feel it, it surprises you, so it makes you like right, you know, right, right, right. It's kind of the reverse when you're in the cockpit. Um, when it comes to um, to turbulence, like because you know it's coming coming you have in the back of your head and you feel this bumpiness a lot of times i'm sitting up there and i'm, I'm calling him back in the pa and i'm telling the, the passengers um you know we're gonna experience some rough air da, 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 and it happens and i feel it and i was like oh that's horrible and then the passengers are coming out and they're like that wasn't bad at all oh, and i really? go huh. i i thought that was terrible like you know Again, not bad isn't bad, like something dangerous will happen, but right. like, it's an uncomfortable ride. Nobody wants to spill their coffee or their drinks while they're trying to drink it, right? Right, right. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of the reverse for us up front there. Like, when you land, um, in the, generally speaking, the pilot feels it more than the uh, passengers in the back. For Maybe it, it has to do with the, the leverage mm-hmm. where we sit. Because we're sitting higher, farther away from the center of gravity, so you know we have a little more of the the, the what's what I'm looking for the force. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so that's good. Thank you. That I mean, listen, I, as most most uh, people know, flying is the most safest form of travel. But like again, like you said, Absolutely. it still leads to anxiety because as you as you said. We're not the ones that control. Like, I don't know, Ravi. I don't know that you're there on this flight, right? Like, I don't know who the pilot yeah. is. Yeah, and yeah. I'm just at the mercy of you. <laughs> Hoping that, that you know true, what right? the hell you're doing. And that you're going to be able to fly this damn con- this contraption thousands of miles <laughs> in yeah. one piece. It, it's just a very 
And to can me, I, yeah, for people that are listening, can I tell you yeah, something go ahead, yeah. really selfish about that? Yes, go ahead. So a lot of times we fly in really bad weather conditions, and the folks come out of like, "Oh my god, thank you for getting me here safe." Right, right. And I was like, "Oh, you're welcome, right?" We you know what I'm thinking in the back of my head. Man, I'm getting myself here safe. <laughs> I want to go home to see my family too, right? I will do my best to take care of my, my, my passengers and my customers and right. give them the best product I can possibly put out there. But in the back of my head, it's like, I want to see my fiance. I want to see my parent. I want to see my... So whatever right. happens, right? Yeah. If I get there safe, my my, my, my passenger, my customers will get there safe as well. But right, go, right. Go no, that, I mean, that's a good point, right? We, we, we say thank you. And we didn't realize, well, these people have families too. Like, they they don't want to die either. Oh, man. We want to get home more than anyone else. Because we're gone from our family four or five days at a time. Right, we right. want to get home. But you know what it is? I think, again, this is like not understanding because we're, right, we're not the pilots. We're not the crew. This is like, yeah. you know, you chose this profession. We got to be in the air uh, so much. So we're like, you know what? It's your duty to make sure that, you know, we are the most safest, we're the most comfortable, you know, on every single flight. Yeah. So, you know, but again, I, I definitely do, like, when I say that I'm very grateful for the fact that people are able to fly a plane and, you know, do it in a very safe manner where I don't feel that yeah. I'm, I'm going to die at any second is a very, <laughs> is a very beautiful thing. So I'm very grateful. So, all right, next question. <laughs> next question. What, um, what is your favorite so obviously this is called in living color abroad, right? You you are yeah. not certified to travel internationally, right? Uh, to certain places, yes. But my airplane only is we're when we're trained from a, on a specific airplane. That's the only airplane we're allowed to fly. Okay. My airplane only have a certain range. So, but yes, you, if you go farther away, you have to have specific training for it. Yes. Okay. So where's the furthest that you have traveled to? Um, as a pilot. As yeah. A as, a, pilot, as a pilot. As a pilot. Yeah, I am going farther than a few places in in the Caribbean and stuff like that. Like, I, so that's cool. That We're part. in the Caribbean. We're in the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, uh, Cuba, then um, just Bahamas. I guess the Bahamas. Yeah. Now, yeah. A few places like that. Yeah. Okay. So cool. Not, not very far. Right off the coast, pretty much. All right. So my favorite part about flying to those beautiful places, right? I mean, flying in general, it is a beautiful thing, right? Like besides the turbulence, it is a beautiful thing to know that you're literally thirty thousand feet. You're flying on planet Earth, and you're seeing yeah. all this terrain and all this all this blue, right? So, what yeah. is your favorite part about flying? Oh, that's here. I think. Okay, this this might sound a little um, too much for someone who admits to having anxiety to flying. <laughs> But for me, it's a challenge, right? Okay. The worst the weather condition is, the worst the, the the situation is that pushes my physical ability and my mental abilities, my favorite part about the job. Wow. Um, I do not back down from a challenge. Um, flying into hurricanes, um, flying into blizzards, um, flying into LaGuardia <laughs> Airport is a, is a hell trap. <laughs> it is the absolute pit of all pits. <laughs> Uh, it is extremely challenging. Um, as a captain now, I love it. I, it's nothing, there's a reason. So pilots, um, has about a 10 year less, um, life expectancy, right? 
um, for the most part. We have a reduced life expectancy from um, from the general public. And there's many reasons, right? Our job, we go up in cabin altitude pressure mm-hmm. all the time. You know, we, we, we have not a set schedule. We can fly early in the morning, late at night. Right, right. Um, but part of that, and a lot of study has shown, is the drop in intensity and your mental um, um, workload, right? Mm. And I love that part about the job. Give me landing at LaGuardia runway four at the end of runway 7,000 feet, and it puts you straight into the Hudson River, right? If you go <laughs> off of it in a, in a blizzard. Right. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> give, give me absolutely... When I see the runway, it's only uh, 200 feet off the ground, and it's a blizzard, and it's snow on the runway. Um, I absolutely love that because it, it pushes every part of your limits, and you have to know where your limit is, right? right this right. is one job you do not want to cross your limits. And there's plenty of times when I go, hey, this is outside of our limits, let's pull it back. And that's part of the joy too, right? right. You know where it is. and. Right. As you get more experience and you become um, better at your skill and your job, your limits is going to, you know, go farther out. I love that about this job. No two days are the same. Wow. I work with different crews. I do not work with the same first officer all the time. I do not work with the same flight attendants all the time. I do not go to the same airport all the time. Granted, I visit quite a few of them quite often. Mm -hmm. Um, Weather conditions is always different. The airplane might have some issues that's different from day to day. It is the challenge of the job that I absolutely love. Wow. And I think that's part of the attraction to the job for most people who are pilots. We tend to have the same personality. Interesting. Now, my favorite snapshot moments are the sunrises and the sunsets. Mm. Like the ones that you just look up from doing your job and you just, you know, you just look outside of your window. Right, right. I get paid to look. I get paid to look out of my window, mm-hmm. um, and you just see a beautiful sunrise or sunset, and you go, "Holy hell! Somebody's paying me to do this." Yeah. <laughs> Are those the moments too, though, where it's like again, you have like those because obviously you're super busy, you know, throughout the entire yeah. flight, right? Making sure that everything's running smoothly, right? The arrival time, all these things, right? Um, yep. So, the, like you said, so you do have moments where you can, you're able to like appreciate the fact that what you're doing, first of all, is incredible. That you're trained to do this, and this, again, you're flying on planet Earth. Not many people are yeah. able to fly on planet Earth. So Absolutely. <laughs> you know, like, those, yeah. I mean, it's good to hear that you know the passion that you have, for, obviously, for flying, and the fact that you love it so much. That means that you're probably doing a good job at it and keeping people safe. So that <laughs> so that's an amazing thing. All right, let's get to the last yeah. last uh segment of the podcast where we're talking a lot but i love it it's fantastic i'm glad you took the time um so obviously you are a a, a guyanese immigrant in a predominantly male and white field right so when you you already you know you're you're air, airline pilot what was going through your mind in that aspect as far as like wow i i stick out like a sore thumb literally right in this in this profession that i have chosen what goes through your mind yeah I think as an immigrant, you already learn to adapt, right? You you already learn to, you already develop a skill to learn quickly, on the go, and it definitely helped when I got to the airline. It's not something I didn't know or didn't realize. For example, so some statistics, right? Ninety percent is a uh, white male, uh, pretty mu- uh, pretty much in the industry, right? Two percent is gay. Ten uh, percent or so is female. Um, I should say correct that 90% is male, um, 
10% is female. Um, not very huge numbers as far as black, brown, Asian goes, right? Mm-hmm. I knew all this when I came into the industry. Um, but I wanted to be an example for future generation. I mentored quite a few people, um, specifically uh, folks of uh, color and uh, women, because I want to see more diversity within the field. Mm-hmm. Because in aviation, there will always be a problem that pops up. There's no one right solution. You need the diversity from different backgrounds and different folks to sit there and look at this problem from every angle to come up with the best possible solution, right? Mm -hmm. So the person who's from um, the South or the person who's an immigrant or a person who's from the North or a person who's from the military or a person like myself who went to college or a person who chose to go the civilian route completely and just went to flight school, we all can sit in that room because of diversity and look at a problem that has killed 200 or 300 people mm-hmm. or 400 people or whatever it may be sit there and look at that and come up with a solution so when i came to the industry i knew this would be a challenge but i love the fact that i'm one of the first not even one of the first but i'm in the beginning of this wave that's coming mm. of making that change to bring the diversity we need in the industry to make uh better solutions to the problems we have right So now we're seeing increase in women pilots in the industry, which is fantastic, right? We're seeing, um, I'm not the only Guyanese pilot in my my company. I'm not the only brown captain in my company. One of my best friends, he was a, he's Guyanese, but he was born here. So Guyanese American. Um, We went to college together. We're both captains of my company. Another very good friend of mine is a Jamaican immigrant, um, uh, first officer of my company. there's a bunch of us like that, and it's just this new wave that's coming over the past few years. And I love seeing it, and I, I love the fact that I'm part of that big wave coming. That's dope. And that's as I dope. said, the diversity only helps in the solutions. You know, my fiance's in tech. The tech industry has a very um, um, unique way of looking at a problem, right? They don't hire everyone from MIT or Harvard or Stanford, you know, Microsoft doesn't hire everyone from there or Apple or or whoever, right? Right. They hire from everywhere because you know what? The guy who's been in the basement for the past 10 years is able to hack the CIA database because if the CIA keeps hiring everyone from MIT or Harvard or Yale, they keep writing the code the exact same way. Right. And the guy who's sitting in the basement there the past 10 years, never went to college, he's figured out that these guys have been writing it the same way and there's a hole there that I can get through and hack the CIA. Right, right. It's the same thing in the airline industry, right? It, yeah, it's a, I think you made such an important point there is, is the fact that it's not diversity for diversity's sake. It's diversity for a purpose and it's for solutions to real problems in the world <laughs> so in your industry right, when, when, a, when a plane you know falls down there's a crash you gotta investigate that to have different yeah. minds right from different backgrounds helps to come up with different solutions to the same problems so it's uh, I, 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 that's a huge point I'm glad you made that point and that goes for I would say all fields that all have their own problems, their own sets of problems that either keep recurring or yeah. are continuously happening. So you need a diverse body and diverse minds to to get those solutions happen. So I'm so glad you brought that up. All right, let's get to the last last part. I would I could talk to you forever, man, but yeah, we, we gotta close it out. All right, last part. This is a lightning round question, so try to answer in one word, Absolutely. and we'll see. All right, first question: What is your favorite route to fly? Ooh. 
Let's see here. Uh, New York to DCA. Short, most intense route you'll do. <laughs> okay. New York to DC. What is your least favorite yeah. route? Anything from um, White Plains to uh, Southern Florida. <laughs> I would ask why, but let's leave it there. It's just funny Ooh. you said that. All right. I have stories. I know. I can imagine. <laughs> um, what was your most um, scariest moment? I know this leads to a story, but just tell me very briefly, scariest moment on a plane. You know, I don't really have one that really shook my body. Um, but I've had challenging moments. I think, uh, flying into Wisconsin, it was about 45 miles per hour winds and it was a really tough day and we had to go around just before landing. We had to go around because the airplane, the wind just came right out under us and it would have been a really sticky situation if we had continued. I think oh. that might have been up there. Yeah. Wow. 45 yeah. miles. That's, yeah, that's, that sounds, <laughs> sounds pretty treacherous, but I'm glad you made it through. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, next yeah. question. Where ha- where have you flown to as a as a civilian abroad? Favorite place you've traveled to as a civilian on a plane? <laughs> Ooh, so I have a few. Um, I think Italy, where I proposed to my fiance, um, it's up there. Um, friends would be Germany, and um, uh, people like you visit, um, it will be Ireland. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. What is your okay? Besides your airline, which you work for. What is your favorite <laughs> favorite airline to fly on? Ooh. JetBlue. Ah, JetBlue, JetBlue. So shout out to JetBlue. JetBlue is pretty good. I like JetBlue too. I like JetBlue yeah. too. What yeah. is your least favorite airline to fly on? <laughs> Ooh. You're going to get me in trouble here. Don't say your company now. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, no, I love my company. Uh, Delta, right? Shout out to Delta. Fantastic product. <laughs> Absolutely. Fantastic product. Fly Delta, guys. Um, <laughs> they keep the milliseat open for Corona. Um, hmm. I don't really have one because I've, I've since I traveled free, I, I haven't gone outside of it. Ah, uh, okay. Um, but I can't say I'm happy with American culture. Put it that way. Mm, okay. I think I know who you're yeah. referring to. <laughs> Yeah. It's also, I think the one, if, if, I'm, if I'm correct, that's also my least favorite airline. I think we're talking about the same one. So that's yeah. <laughs> All right. And final, yeah. final question. This you, uh, I'm going to use 60 seconds. You have the floor. What advice would you give to anyone listening that, like someone from your background, a person of color, black and brown individual that wants to become a pilot? What would you, what would you tell them? That's a good question. Um, there's plenty of things that is going to keep you from it. Um, financially, uh, the workload, family. Um, the number one thing I did is I found somebody who believed in me. And if I can tell you one thing, people in the airline industry is very generous with their time and their advice and their mentorship. If you find someone who can mentor you and uh, guide you, seek that person out. And seek their help and their counsel and pursue your dream. It's absolutely worth it. In 10 years, when you're living your dream job, you're li- living your dream life, and uh, you'll be very happy that you did that. You didn't listen to the people who deter you, you didn't listen to the financial situation and the workload. Um, you went ahead and do what you have to do. That's the best thing I ever did. I, I sought a mentor and uh, I just went ahead and, and I ignored everything else. 
hope you enjoyed that episode with Ravi. I most definitely did. Um, I could have spoke to him for like two hours. Uh, just great energy. I, I think I'm so, if you couldn't tell from the episode, very fascinated about, you know, the fact that people, you know, can fly a damn plane. Like that's pretty impressive. Even 2021, that's still a r- remarkable thing. And for someone that's a nervous flyer, I'm extremely grateful for all the pilots out there that are able to fly an airplane safely and soundly. And hopefully it just gets safer and safer. And hopefully somehow, some way, they get rid of turbulence. But <laughs> but yeah, I don't like flying, but I love traveling. But so we need them. We need people like Ravi. And, I, and one thing that he said that really stuck out to me is his idea about diversity that he mentioned. You know, you need diverse thinkers to, to uh, come up with solutions to the same problems. Hence, he gave the, the example right of Apple. You know, they're not going to hire everyone from MIT. They're going to hire people from different walks of life that have different thoughts and different ways of thinking um, so that way they can have diverse thinkers and a diverse body and therefore come up with solutions to the same problems that keep happening, right? So I think that that's a really good way to like promote diversity. It's not that, yeah, sure, we need representation, right, as far as like black and brown individuals in all walks of life, but it's not just because of that. It's the fact that you need people from different walks of life to come up with solutions. It's better for society that way. Diverse thinkers diverse solutions right if you have just one a very homogenous group of people is less likely you're going to come up with different solutions but yeah so on next week's episode you'll be listening to gabe and kiss who are a couple here in costa rica an expat couple and they're going to talk about what it's like to live abroad as an expat couple and they're leaving costa rica to go to another country You'll find out in the podcast which country they're going to after they made their pit stop here in Costa Rica. But yeah, that's coming out next week. And as always, if you like what you're here, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify and any of your other favorite streaming platforms. And of course, follow my Instagram page at A Living Color Abroad. See you next week. This is A Living Color Abroad. Peace.